Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? It's great to see everybody. Did you all slide into church today? I heard the snow starting to fall again out there. You're not too excited about that. Hey, it's good to see you guys as we continue on this message series, Impact 2022, what we believe God's calling us to individually and collectively as a church. And today we're going to be talking about our marketplace, our workplace, our day-to-day environment, and who we are to be uh, for Jesus in our day-to-day, in our marketplace. You know, we've all dealt with this question, what do I want to be when I grow up? Some of us in our 40s, 50s, and 60s may still be asking that question, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, we live in a world where I think there's so much pressure trying to answer that question. When I was a kid, I, I went through a series of different things that I wanted to be when I grew up. When I was in junior high, I wanted to be a police officer. And the reason I wanted to be a police officer was because I sat in the classroom. I remember looking out the window, and I would see the, police, the cop cars drive by, and I thought, I want that job because I don't want to be sitting in an office or one classroom for the rest of my life. I want to be driving around. And so I wanted to be a police officer. Then that didn't happen. And then as I got into sports, I was like, I want to be a football. I want to be a professional football player. And I quickly learned that God did not bless me with the physical skills or traits to be a professional football player. So that quickly was forgotten about. And then I decided, I want to be in a rock band. And I started to learn how to play the guitar and the bass guitar. And I realized, I'm not that good. And I'm not going to be a part of a rock band unless we just really distort everything and we just make a lot of loud noise. You know, I'm not that good. I throw that out the window. And I, I remember trying to figure out, what do I want to be when I grow up? And we all deal with that question. And like I said, I think the world puts so much pressure on that question. There's so much pressure on us, especially when we're younger and we're going through high school and we have to figure out where we're going to go to college and even in college and maybe even in our young adult years. There's just so much pressure on what are you going to be when you grow up because I think in many ways we find our worth The world calls us or pushes us to find our worth in what we do or what we achieve or what we produce. And it's like, I'm just not good enough if I'm not doing or being or achieving or producing what the world says I should be producing or achieving or doing. And it's like we equate our worth with that. And then there's this big struggle in our lives. I think we've all dealt with it at some level that we try to find our worth based upon what we produce And our worth is not based upon what we produce. Our worth is not based upon what you do. But yet, there's this struggle in our heart to figure this out. And I'm here to ask, what if if our worth is not in choosing to do or what we produce, but in choosing to simply be? Let me explain that a little bit more. Because there's a difference between living a life, finding our worth in what we do and produce, versus finding our worth in simply being. You see, this is an internal struggle that I think we all have, which we, equ- which we equate with our purpose in the fact that we're called to simply be in Him, in Christ. And through Him, we find our worth which opens up the doors to opportunities, which we'll be talking about today. Yet so often, because we don't find our worth being in Him, we find our worth in what I do or produce, we find ourselves disappointed, frustrated, and usually disheartened in I'm not good enough, and we devalue ourselves. Why? 
Because maybe I'm not producing like that person. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't have the, I'm not in the top 1% or I'm not over here. And we just think I'm not good enough because we put our worth in what the world standards are rather than simply being. And then we equate this all with God's will. You know, we, we try to make it all biblical. Well, I'm trying to figure out what God's will is for my life. Well, where, where do I belong? What does he want with me? And we struggle with that and, and we lose sight on the reality that God's will for your life is to be in him. You see, God's will for your life is to know him, to follow him, and to walk with him. Everything else, he takes care of. He opens up those doors of opportunities. His will for your life is to know and follow him. When you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that is the heartbeat of God. And when the world pulls us away, trying to say your worth is based upon what you do or what you produce, Satan twists that into thinking my value's in this stuff. And then before you know it, we devalue ourselves rather than seeing who we are in him. See, what if our worth was actually just simply in the art of being in him? You see, that's what God's desire is for you. And then when we simply be in him, we find our worth in him rather than what I do or what I produce in this world. And then all of a sudden, he begins to open up the doors of opportunities. We, we think, well, if I don't do this, if I don't produce this, I can't open up the doors of opportunities for myself to get ahead in this world. When God says, listen, just be in me. And I will open up the opportunities because I have great plans for you. You see, our worth is found in the balance of knowing and living in who God created you to be. That's where our worth and our value is found. Your value is not in what you do or what you produce or what job status you have. That's not your worth. Your worth is found in the God who created you. And he is the one who opens up the doors for opportunities in your life and in your world. We were created to be in him. And in him we find our worth and our value. And in him we realize our moments of opportunity every single day. You see, in your marketplace, in your workplace, in the mundane and ordinary of your day-to-day are opportunity after opportunities that God is opening up and revealing for you that so often because we're not connected with him, we miss out on that. We find hope. We try to find hope in what we do rather than who he is. You know, this is, this is what the Bible's message has been out from the beginning of time, um, from the beginning of Genesis all the way through Revelation. Look what's written in Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. And in Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What the psalmists are saying and revealing is the heartbeat of God is this. You will find your worth, your value, who you are meant to be, the will of God's, God's will in your life, if you just simply be in him. And let him open up the doors. Yet because we live in a world that's all about what you produce and what you do and what we think we should be, we try so hard to open up the doors for ourselves 
And I don't know about you, but when I've tried to do that, the opportunities aren't what I always thought they would, would be or to become. See, in our life, in our marketplace, we have these moments of opportunities. I talked about this more at length the past couple of weeks, and let me just re-highlight that as we build the foundation for today. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about um, in life, we are to make the most of every opportunity. You see, the element of time, when the Bible talks about time, it's not like the, the tick-tock of the clock that you have in your house that you're like, oh no, it's four o'clock, we gotta go. No, when the Bible talks about time, every minute, every second is a moment of opportunity that you will never get back. And every moment of opportunity that you have, there's something for us to be or to do or to become. And so we need to think about every moment of, of opportunity that we have, what are we doing with it? What are we being in that moment? Because it matters. You only have so many moments of opportunity. And you see, too often, I think we use the excuse that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not valuable enough. Or I don't have this role in my company. You know, I'm not a CEO or I'm not the top executive or I'm not this person or that person. And we devalue ourselves and we think like, I can't make a difference. When in reality, God uses the ordinary, the mundane, and, and the everyday people in moments of opportunity to make a difference. Whether you are the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, or you're mopping floors, or you're driving a bus, or you're flipping burgers, you are a valuable person that has worth and has kingdom opportunities every single day. Every single day. And the question is, in our marketplace, whatever that marketplace is for you, what are you doing with it? How are you seizing the opportunities that God's giving to you? Where are you finding your worth? You know, to realize our worth and opportunities is just to simply be still. Slow down. Know that he is God. And to walk into that moment and just say, God, I'm giving this day, this time I sit at this cubicle, when I drive this bus, when I mop this floor, I'm giving this moment to you. Reveal your opportunities. And today we're going to be focusing on those opportunities because I believe God uses people in all work environments to accomplish great things in his will. I truly believe that. Whatever your marketplace is, I believe God wants to use you in that environment to do something extraordinary. To do something extraordinary. You know, he uses the everyday and the ordinary. This truth is revealed in the Old Testament in the story of Esther. Maybe you've read the story before. Maybe you're not too familiar with the story. I encourage you this week to go into the Old Testament and read Esther's story. It is fascinating how God used her for something extraordinary. She was just an ordinary person going through the ordinary day of her life that God used for extraordinary purposes. And he wants to use you in the same way. I'm going to be giving you a really quick Cliff Notes overview of this story. So like I said, go home and read the story. It's truly fascinating. But queen, Esther became, became a queen. And she was just an average person. And at this time, the king was looking for a new bride. 
And before Disney ever existed, here was one of the first queen romance love stories. As the king was searching for his bride in all the kingdom, he was looking for the most beautiful, the most awe-inspiring lady out there. And there she was, Esther. And he took her in to be his bride. And he took her home, and, and he fell in love with her. And then there was a time when Esther learned of an assassination plot against the king, and she warned him of it. And, and he was able to stop the assassination from happening. And, and he loved her even more because she, she, she protected him. But even in that time period, there was a problem. You see, by law, Esther was not permitted to ever be in the king's presence. Even if she was the queen, she was never allowed in his presence unless he invited her into there. And if she came into the throne room, into his presence, he would have to lift up his scepter to her, his hand to her. And if he did that, then it was like, you are allowed here. Kind of different day and age, isn't it? But if she walked into his presence... And he did not do that, and he did not allow her in, she was possibly to be punished by death. And so there's a problem. You see, the king's top aide, Hamar, hated her people, Esther's people, the Israelites. He hated her companion, Mordecai, and he wanted them dead. He tried to get them all to bow down to him. He was ruthless and evil to the people. And then when Mordecai would not bow down to, to Haman, then, then Hamar planned to kill Mordecai. And Mordecai came to Esther pleading with her, can you please do something to stop him? You have the opportunity. You are the only person that has the opportunity. But Esther knew, I can't. I am scared. I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm just, I'm just a person who walks around the kingdom. I can't go into his presence. I'm not allowed in his presence. Don't you understand the law? And then in the uncertainty of her role, the uncertainty of her worth, Mordecai said this, Esther 4.14, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. My friends, Esther was just an ordinary person. She asked all the Mordecai and all the Israelite people to take a few days to pray and to fast. I'll do it, but I'm scared to death. I don't think I can really accomplish this. I don't think I'm worthy enough. We just pray and fast. And then the time came after they're done praying and fasting when she knew the time was right. I'm going to walk into his presence. And he's going to either lift that up, that scepter up, and welcome me, or I'm going to die. And I can imagine her heart was beaten. And she was just overwhelmed with, is this the right thing? Am I really supposed to be in this moment? God, why did you choose me? I just want to be walking out in the yard right now. I don't want to be here. Imagine all those thoughts going through her mind as she grabbed the handle on that door. And as she opened the door and she walked in, the king looked up to her. And when he saw her, his arm raised up and he welcomed her in. God was in that moment. You see, because she found her worth by being in him, not by what she does, God opened up an opportunity 
And she never knew that maybe I was just born for such a time as this. You know, God often uses the unlikely of people, the timid, the weak, the imperfectly courageous people to do extraordinary things. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, Bill, I'm frustrated with my job. I don't like where I'm at. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know really where I belong. But maybe you're here. Maybe you're there for such a time as this. You know, there's no mistake that you're in this moment. And while God can often work through miracles, and he can, more often than not, God works through the ordinary. His greatest work often happens in the ordinary of our to-dos in our day-to-day when he just makes opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that happens in our life. You know, the world doesn't need Christians running from the workplace. The world needs Christians who are standing in the gap in the workplace for kingdom opportunities to be his light and to be his love. You see, I believe with all my heart, our marketplace is a vehicle for kingdom opportunities. Our marketplace is a vehicle for kingdom opportunities. And to help with this message and the development of this message, I reached out to four individuals um, to help me develop this, to give me some of their feedback in their marketplace. I talked to a corporate director, a corporate vice president, a director of sales manager, and a small business owner to give me their feedback and on how they live for Christ while they work in their environment, how they walk by faith in their work, and what kingdom opportunities do they see, and what does that mean in their journey. And it's truly fascinating. As I talked and I, as I read the, what they wrote to me, their, their answers all found unity. And none of them talked to each other. And I believe that through them, we see some tremendous value of kingdom opportunities that can happen. You know, one of the people told me, in what he wrote back to me, he said, kingdom impact is made up of more, more of a hundred small interactions rather than one big event. You know, it's not like you walk into your office tomorrow like, hey guys, Jesus loves you. That's not going to happen. And probably people are going to think you're weird. But you know what really makes a difference? It's hundreds of opportunities, hundreds of interactions over and over again, day by day, day by day of kingdom opportunities. And here's the problem I think we face. It's the battle in our heart. Because when we think our worth is found in what we do, what we produce, or what we accomplish, then then it kind of puts a war in our heart based upon my faith and my production. And sometimes, because of that, we think being popular or, or, or doing whatever we can to move ahead in our work, we throw away our faith. And we throw away our priorities in our heart. And in doing so, we miss kingdom opportunities. My friends, advancing in work or gaining popularity in your workplace does not matter when you throw away your faith. Jesus said, what good is it for you to gain the whole world yet lose your soul? And too many people are too quickly willing to throw away their faith to advance in their workplace. 
And can I just be honest with you? If Esther did that, just think of the opportunity she would have missed. You have no idea what opportunities you may be missing when you value your worth on your production more than your value of who you are in him. He will always, always open up doors of opportunity for you. Ones that you don't even understand or realize in this moment. We need to be willing as followers of Christ to make some of the unpopular choices. You know why? Because kingdom opportunities are often found in the road less traveled. That's what happened for Esther. Because those roads less traveled often make the most impact in a co-worker's life and in a project long term. Don't do what's popular. Follow Christ. And sometimes we find ourselves going to work on Monday morning. We're just frustrated. We just wish it was Friday. We don't want to be where we're at. But maybe walk in tomorrow thinking, maybe I was here. Maybe I'm here for a time such as this. Maybe God's opening up opportunities for me beyond, beyond my wildest of dreams, beyond anything I could ever imagine. But to realize this, we need to walk into work every single day with a kingdom focus, with a kingdom heart. And I believe that if you do that, you will see God begin to open up doors of opportunities, not just for you. I believe he will bless you professionally if you follow him. But even more so, even more importantly, you will be a blessing and you will open up doors of opportunities in other people's lives that you could never imagine that have an eternal impact. And my friends, to me, that matters more than any professional advancement. It really does. So in the time we have left, and, and some of the wisdom I got from the people I talked to in the development of this message, I want to highlight some, some, some really important keys to building a foundation of kingdom opportunities in your marketplace. And I believe that if we have a kingdom focus and we follow these foundational principles in our walk, every day we walk into our marketplace, you will see kingdom opportunities open up professionally and relationally. The first is this, be a person of integrity. That is one of the most important things in our Christian walk, that we need to always, always be a person of integrity. Make sure that you are the same person wherever you are at. We talked this, about this at length last week, and I encourage you, if you missed last week's message, to grab it on YouTube and listen to it, because how valuable that is, what we talked about, who we are in whatever pockets of people we are in, matters. And make sure what you say publicly is who you are privately because it makes a difference you know why someone's watching you all the time someone's watching you there's enough cameras in this world to know someone's always watching you so make sure you are who you are all the time no matter the audience because a person of integrity is someone who treats others fairly even if you disagree with them, even if you don't like them, even if you're always butting heads with them in the meetings, you treat them 
fairly. Whether they're the CEO or they're mopping the floors, you treat them the same and you treat them fairly. Because that is a person of integrity. When you walk in the, into your office to be kingdom focused, no matter who I walk into, I'm going to treat every person fairly. Whether I think they can help me get ahead or not. Whether I think they're in my way to get ahead or not, I'm going to treat them fairly and respect and the same. You know why? Because that's what God wants me to do. Because every person matters. Every person matters. And know your values. Specifically, are your values set in God's word? Like I said a moment ago, my fear is that too often in our world today, too many of people are so quick to throwing away their values on the foundation of Christ to advance in their workplace. And guess what? When that happens, you don't open opportunities. You slam the door shut on opportunities. Our adva professional advancement, don't get me wrong. Yes, it matters. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But what matters most is the person that you are in him. And if you throw that away just to get ahead at work, you've lost what's most important. We can't do that. We can't do that. Know your values. Align your faith and your priorities with God and be consistent in your actions. Like I said, when someone sees you in this meeting and this meeting or walking through the hall, they should see the same person every time. A person of integrity that says, you know what? I can trust this person. I may not always agree with them, but I know I can trust Bill. I know he'll get things done. I know he'll be the same person. Be a person who's honest, trustworthy, and always willing to serve somebody else. Jesus said this. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is a person of integrity. A person who walks the walks. And who says, you know, when I mess up, I'll own up to it. I'll be willing to say, you know what? I, that was me. I'm the one who failed in that project. I'm the one who forgot to call them back. I'm the one who whatever. Own up to your mistakes. You will gain respect by being honest with that. And Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I think so often we lose our integrity in the workplace and in our world because we don't follow this basic principle that Jesus gives to us. You know what happens? We want to please everybody. We want to look really good in the office. And so we just say yes to everything. And then before we know it, we get the reputation that don't ask that person to do the job because they're never going to get it done. I can't trust them. They might say, yes, they'll do it, but they're not really going to do it. You might know some of those people in the office place. And if you're honest, maybe you're one of those people. And usually the root cause of that is we say yes to everything. But hear me out. Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. And every time in the workplace or in life in general, when someone asks us to do something, we should always, always take a step back and evaluate when I say yes to this, who or what am I saying no to? Because oftentimes what happens in the work environment, you know, if you're working on projects, you say, I'll do that. I'll take care of that project. But then all of a sudden you just realize when I said yes to this, that project I agreed to yesterday, I don't have time to do it anymore. And then you lose your integrity. 
Or you're at 4 o'clock, it's time to clock out and go home, and your boss says, I need you to stick around for this for another hour. Can you do it? And then before you say yes, you also think about, wait, I just told my kids I would be home with them. Today was really important. If I say yes to my boss, I'm saying no to them. Every avenue of life, when you're asked to say yes to something, take a step back and realize, who am I saying no to? Because every time you say yes to something or someone, you're saying no to something or someone else. And we need to evaluate, is it worth it? Is this worth it? Am I going to be a person of my integrity? Can I complete this? And can I be honest with the other things I said yes to? You know, that matters. Be a person of integrity. Secondly, the second foundation is to invest in others. The Bible is so full in the importance of investing in other people. Who are you pouring into professionally and also spiritually? And the same is true of what you receive. Who are you allowing to mentor you? Who are you allowing to invest into you? Who are you allowing to, to uh, mentor you, whether it's professionally or, or spiritually? You know, and in order to invest into people, can I just encourage you to stop talking about people and talk to them? You know, that's one of the greatest flaws of our society is we've become very good at talking about people rather than being biblical and going to the person if we have a problem with them or if we have an issue. You know, don't talk about people. Be a person of integrity and talk to them and give others the opportunity. Treat them well. You know, so often I think we don't pour into other people, we don't invest in other people because our pride gets in the way and we don't want other people to get ahead of us. And we think, well, if I invest in them, they, they could step into my job and then I won't be needed anymore and pride gets in. But so often we don't advance because we're not helping other people advance professionally or spiritually. You know, realize that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility for other people. You have a responsibility for other people. No matter what your marketplace is, no matter what your role is in life, you have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus for other people. How you treat them, how you invest into them, reflects your relationship with Christ and reflects who you are in Him. And investing in other people takes time and love, authenticity, and consistency. You know, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul as you read through the New Testament, that was one of his primary missions. As he planted churches, as he went to his marketplace, which was a tent maker. You know, as he went through his day-to-day, everywhere he went, his primary focus was, who can I invest in? Who can I bring under my wings and develop? And every day, I think, and every week, we should be asking in our marketplace, in our life, professionally and spiritually, who am I investing in? And who's investing in me? Because it matters. The third foundational piece to kingdom open up kingdom opportunities is to listen to understand. There's a reason God gave us two ears, right? You've heard that before. But I think in the totality of our society, I think we really struggle with listening. 
We're, we're more quick to try to get our point across or our thought across or we, we listen to try to, to, to get our point across or we half listen to people. But like I said, we need to listen to understand. That takes the ability just to step back. You know what? I'm just going to zip my lips. I want to hear your heart. Where are you coming from? Why, why are you coming in that way? Why, what, what is your thought process? What's your life experiences? Understand is valuable. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest skills that you can have in life is not public speaking, is not anything else. You know what the greatest skill that you can have in life that will get you ahead more than anything else is your ability to listen, to understand. And so often we see brokenness in our homes, we see brokenness in our relationships, and we see um, dysfunctional workplaces. Why? Because we just fail to listen. We fail to listen. Listening does not mean I'm giving up my values. Listening does not mean I'm giving in. But you may learn something. You may learn something when you just listen to where they're coming from. Take time just to listen. And here's another important tool to listen. Don't be that person in your office whose own opinion is the only one that matters. Don't be that person. It will never get you ahead. The fourth foundational piece to kingdom opportunities is to serve with excellence. You know, we are called to be servants of Christ in everything that we do. And so when you walk into your workplace, whatever that workplace is, walk in with the kingdom focus and the heart attitude that I exist in this moment to serve I don't walk into work thinking that this person serves me. I don't care if I'm the boss. I don't walk into the place for that place to serve me. I walk into that environment asking, who can I serve? Who am I called to serve in this moment? You know, because that's what we're called to be as followers of Christ. In every moment, we need to serve excellence. What does that mean? Well, if I have a boss, you know what? I'm going to serve my boss. I'm going to make, do everything I can to make my boss's life and job easier because I serve them because I'm serving Christ. You know, whenever I kind of walk into whatever the environment is, it may be someone who's underneath me in the workplace. Well, how am I serving them to help them get along in their day-to-day? You know, I am called to serve and to serve with excellence. Excellence is the key word. Don't ever be fine with good enough. Don't be fine with good enough. You know, serve, serve with excellence. And too many times we allow what is good to stand in the the way of the opportunities of what could be great. Don't ever be satisfied. Well, I did good enough. No, if you serve with excellence, it doesn't mean perfection. But in everything I do, I do it in a way that, you know what, I'm doing this for Jesus. And so how I serve my boss, how I serve the employees, how I function on this project, I'm going to give it my best. And that goes back to the yes, yes, and no, no thing that Jesus said. If I can't serve with excellence, if I can't give it my best, then I should have never said yes in the first place. See how it all kind of goes together? 
But if I said yes, that I'm going to do this, then by golly, I'm serving Jesus in this moment, and I'm going to give it my best. I'm not going to be satisfied with good enough. And all that I do, because I want to honor him. I want to read you with what, what one of the guys I interviewed said, um, because it's just so good. I don't want to try to put it into my own words. Let me just tell you straight from their mouth. Sometimes you're the center of attention, and sometimes you're in the ditch clearing a path. Be aware of which role you are called to in that particular situation. Surround yourself with people who have stronger skills or are farther in their walk than you are. Don't be threatened by them, even if they report to you. Surround yourself with people who will challenge you to grow to your full potential. Surround yourself with people who will give you honest feedback. Read as much as you can and never stop learning. Do the job that no one else wants to do. Make your boss's job easier. Have a joyous heart and people will gravitate to you and want to know that your source of joy, what your source of joy is. Coach your teammates so that one day they, they can replace you or you'll never be able to move up. And as you climb up the ladder in whatever workplace you're in, always remember the value of serving others. Don't ever forget that. The final foundation to kingdom opportunities in your marketplace is to demonstrate hope. And you know, in order to demonstrate hope, we need to experience hope. That goes back to what I said at the beginning. Our worth is not in what we do or produce. Our worth is in being in him. And the more we understand that and live by that, the more we find our worth and experience his hope in our life that we can share his hope with others. And know this, good days and bad days are full of circumstances. And every circumstance that you have in your workplace, in your life, are tools. They're tools that God uses. And the more you use those tools and develop those tools, the more you experience his hope and the more you live out his hope. You know, every opportunity that you have is an opportunity to experience God's hope and worth in your life and to share his hope. And this happens by being real, authentic, and consistent in the hope that you have. And you have no idea what doors God may open up. Doors like Esther. One of the people I talked to shared this story. They said they were surprised that they just tried to live by their values and by their faith in everything that they did. They served with excellence. They lived by integrity and tried to be that same person and consistent in every journey they had. And they were absolutely surprised when they had the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company who stopped them and asked them, tell me about your faith. Tell me why you are the way you are. Tell me more about your story. Only God can do that. Only God can do what God did for Esther. Only God can open up those doors. See, you have no idea the kingdom opportunities that God wants to open up in your life, whether it's professionally or spiritually. If you just find your worst as simply being in him rather than trying to be something the world tells you to be. And by living by the foundation of a person of integrity, 
a person who listens to understand, a person who lives in a way that strives to invest in others, to build them up and to pour into them, a person who uh, serves with excellence and who strives to experience and demonstrate hope. When you live by those foundational qualities in your marketplace, you will be amazed at the doors that God opens up. Doors you could never have imagined before. Maybe one day you'll be standing before a king or CEO or somebody else who asks you, tell me about your hope that you have. There's something different here. See, God's just waiting to pour out the blessings in your life. The opportunities are there. But they're there when we find our worth in him and walk with him in our marketplace rather than trying to strive for our own heart and our own desires. You know, back in the day, thousands of years ago, the people of Israel were in a very dark, dark place. Hope just seemed lost. Hope seemed impossible. Hope didn't even seem like a possibility. And God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah these words in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has great plans for you. It may not be plans necessarily to advance to the top level of your corporate world or wherever you work. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. His plans may be professionally, but a lot of times his plans are spiritually. Opportunities that you never thought would even be possible. But it starts with us finding our worth in him. Following the pattern that he gives us to walk in our day-to-day life. And he will open up kingdom opportunities. But we need to just be with him. You know, every week we, at Impact, we pause to do communion. It's a time to remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave to us. You know, sometimes people ask, why do you do this every single week? Well, we do it every single week primarily because we know the world has our hearts and our minds for six and a half days of the week. And we're so bombarded by the things of this world. And and we try to find our worth on the path of the journey that this world tries to pull us to. And God constantly says, no, your worth is in me and what I gave to you on that cross. Why do we do this every week? Because we feel it's so important for us on a regular basis just to stop in the craziness of this world. To reflect and remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave to us. That our worth is in him and being in him and not what we do or be or produce. And so today, as we just pause, maybe your head and your heart's been racing with the world. Maybe you're unsatisfied with your marketplace. Maybe you're, you're not looking forward to Monday morning. But use this as an opportunity just to slow down To be still. Just be in him. And remember this. Your worth is found on that cross. The bread that signifies his body that was broken for you. The juice that resembles his blood. 
that was poured out to give you freedom in your heart and your life from forgiveness of your sins. And when we find our worth in him, and we walk with him every day of our life, in the ordinary of our day-to-day, in our marketplace, he will open up kingdom opportunities far beyond we could ever imagine. Just be still and be in him. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, we just seek you. Lord, just help us just to slow down and just to be in your presence. Lord, help us to be people of integrity who serves others with excellence in all that we do who strives to listen and invest in others, who strives to experience your hope and to live out your hope in our life. And Lord, as we just be in you and experience you, Father God, may you open up the opportunities in our world to be your hope in others and other people's lives. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for our worth being found in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.